0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with Frozen 2 trailer talk, the biggest hits of the latest Nintendo Direct, look back at James Bond, new songs of the week, a total dissection of one of the best bands of all time, and so much more. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. are some pretty big sounding topics, right? Sounds like we're going to cover a lot of ground in this week's episode of the Going Upcast, and you are absolutely right. We are about to do just that. A little bit of housekeeping at the top of the episode. If you enjoy the Going Upcast and you wish to support the Going Upcast, please check out patreon.com forward slash goingupcast or thegoingcast.com slash store. Both are excellent ways to support me and what I do, and let me waste no more of your time. Let's talk about the biggest news that is going on right now. And that's fucking Frozen too. So there's a lot of people out there who, when this movie came out, they were like, oh, it's overhyped, oh, it's not that good, blah, 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 I hate fun. And you know what? I'm sick of living a lie anymore because the fucking teaser trailer dropped for the sequel and it looks fucking dope and I'm going to talk about it and we're all going to fucking have a great time. Frozen was awesome. <laughs> And the sequel looks just as good. So, a fucking teaser is a trailer dropped for Frozen last week, at this point. And it doesn't give us much anything. But it gives us so much. There's a lot to dissect and understand and what's going on here. It seems like Frozen's kinda, sorta, maybe doing a season thing? Because, naturally, Frozen, the first one, dealt with Winner. A lot in like the middle of summer so you kind of had the 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 two of them right you had some winter and some summer and then this one fall plays a really big part in um in the in the in the teaser there's there's a valley full of um you know what's what's the term for a tree that's going through fall not falling trees what there's a term for it um deciduizing i don't know but they're they're going through the color changing effect of, of orangey leaves that the season of fall brings and so there's a big old thing of that there are two new characters seen in the teaser trailer that we don't know anything about naturally the internet is already running wild with this shit and people are pretty sure that there are a couple of uh, actors confirmed to be in frozen Two. one of them being evan rachel wood who tying it all together was in across the universe yeah that's right fucking it all circles back together so we're pretty sure she's probably voicing one of those characters i forget the actor um uh, who who was also announced i think it's like sterling k brown or something akin to that so that's probably the actor for the other character that is witnessed in the thing we see elsa trying to run out into the open ocean presumably to look for her parents which is curious because they went down in a storm supposedly that's what we saw in the first film, supposedly. Um so perhaps Elsa never got the full message or maybe she's just believing. Unclear. Uh but it looks like the 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 the, the crew uh that we that we know from movie one, Elsa, Anna, um, uh, Christoph, Sven, Olaf, that's it, uh, have left Arendelle and are off somewhere else. There's like Kristoff has a sword for some reason. Um, Anna's, like, jumping all over the place. Elsa's got her hair tied back. Everybody's wearing different costumes and shit. So seems a lot more adventure than the first film. Um, there's a couple of things that I don't want them to do, like giving Anna superpowers like Elsa's got. That'd be bad and dumb, so don't do that. Don't No, don't do that. Number two thing to not do is to have a fall-themed a hero or a villain, because that seems dumb. It could be done in a really good way, because if there's one thing that I trust in... I'm going to so fucking regret these words. If it's one thing I trust in, it's the fact that, as far as I'm concerned, the people making Frozen 2, provided they're the same people that made Frozen 1... Are capable of making some fucking great movies. Like Frozen. <laughs> Say what you will. About all the you know, do you want to build a snowman? Like, oh, I'm fucking sick of that. Shut up. You're sick of it because it was catchy and it was overplayed to hell. They knew what they were doing when they made Frozen. They crafted an incredible story. They turned it on its head a little bit, all right? It wasn't, you know, they didn't fall in love when they just met. They played against a lot of the cliches the classic Disney movies do, which I fully appreciated. All right, Josh Gad is a national treasure, and fucking Adina Menzel is one of the best vocalists ever. I love Christa Bell. Like, every aspect of this movie is my fucking, I love it. It's, I love the songs, I loved the message of the film, I love the way it looked, I loved it just, like, it's a great fucking movie. People are just getting, you know, people are too afraid to admit they like Frozen. You know what? Uh, it's the cool thing to hate Frozen, you know? Just like it's cool to hate Nickelback. Nickelback had some good songs, too. I'm going against the grain on everything today. All right? You spend too much time hating on shit. You could just be honest and say you enjoyed it. You could also have not enjoyed it. I don't understand why you wouldn't. But that's all right. You can you can legitimately not like Frozen. That's fine. As long as you're not hating on it to hate on it and be cool with the cool kids. Because fuck that. I'd rather enjoy Frozen and be, you know, laughed at or whatever. But fuck you. Frozen's awesome. Also, I'm jacked to shit. So bring it. Let's go. 215 pounds, motherfuckers. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I'm really excited. For the second film. Uh, It comes out this fucking year. I think it's at November. So around the holidays. Of course, it's around the holidays. Disney's going to drop Frozen 2. And honestly, like, they're going to do trailers into the ground for this fucking movie. I always say, you know, oh, they don't need to do, like, for fucking Infinity Wars 2. What's it called? Endgame, right? There's a bunch of trailers, right? And they don't need to do that. They've generated enough hype for that movie without a fucking trailer. Like, trailers are designed to get you to go to the theater, all right? The people that want to see Frozen 2, Endgame, Aladdin, Lion King, Captain Marvel, any of these fucking Disney movies, all of those which come out this year, the only thing you need to tell them is when it comes out. Because people have already made the decision, all right? No one is unaware of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, looks at a trailer for Avengers Endgame, and he goes, oh yeah, that looks like a movie I want to see. Because if you don't know anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you watch the Endgame trailer, you don't know who the fuck anyone is, or what the fuck is going on. That trailer is perfectly designed to be witnessed by people who know the story up until this point. Which means, it's a bad trailer, because it will not sell that movie to someone who doesn't know but we do know and because we know we don't need the trailer because we're already gonna see it do you know what i mean that's like when star wars 7 got announced it doesn't matter what the fuck news there was everyone went and saw star wars episode 7 in theaters because there's star wars episode 7 you didn't have to tell us anything about it just when it comes out so i can get tickets in advance Alright. Similar for Star Wars Episode 9, which, for the record, I believe pretty sure comes out this fucking year. So like this trailer gives me a lot of information about the frozen sequel. Alright. Um return characters, returning actors, uh ideas for where the theming's gonna be, the general feel of the movie, provided they're not lying to us. Um and I've only ever had hard evidence that a trailer lied to us once, and that was fucking Infinity Wars. That trailer straight up lies to you. Shows the Hulk in the Battle of Wakanda. He's not fucking there. He isn't. He's not. It's the fucking Hulkbuster. The Hulk was not there. Um, but they put him in there. They they spent time and animated that whole sequence to trick us. It straight up lied to us. And I love them for that. Because, because I watched that trailer to bits, there were still surprises in the movie because they lied to us. Honestly, at this point, with trailers like this, they have to lie to us. Because if they show us shit that's going to happen, then it's just like, oh, well, that was dumb. But if they actively lie to you and then the movie's fucking different than what you expected to be from the trailer, then there's surprises for everyone, you know? So honestly, I'm glad they lied and I want them to lie more. I want want these trailers to be falsely advertising these films so I can go into a fucking movie theater and be surprised for once. So this went on a bit more of a Disney rant than I wanted it to be. Let's bring it back down to Frozen 2. So, oh God what else is there it's it's amusing to me that um in in the teaser trailer Elsa is being defeated by the forces of nature like she's using her ice powers but it seems pretty clear to me at the start of this that while she is competent she still doesn't quite have a firm grasp on her powers and conquering an enemy like the immovable or the um the unstoppable I should say the unstoppable relenting crashing of the ocean waves she was struggling against that it seemed to set up a lot of locations that are curious to me and it like with um with anna she was jumping from one ledge to another ledge with a cave inside of it presumably on the same beach as elsa also there's a period where anna's on the beach and i think she was crying So perhaps Elsa went out to the ocean and they had to launch some kind of rescue mission to get her and the parents back. But that doesn't make any sense because then later on in the teaser trailer, there was like, they were all there. And like Kristoff is riding like on the back of Sven with a herd of reindeer. Unclear. This is a teaser trailer for sure because we have a lot of snippets of scenes, the, the, the tease of new characters and this fall theme that's kind of spreading out through the whole thing. But we have no idea of the overarching story of... The general plot we don't know any of those details we can guess which i have done and i will continue to do for some time but we don't know for sure so we got we got some mystery there which i fucking super love and on a quick other side note that's just tangentially related to this this year is a banner fucking year for the disney corporation not only do they have like ten or twelve movies coming out, all of which have the potential to be the highest-grossing movie of the year. It's probably gonna be End Game until Frozen Two comes out, because it's like different strokes for different folks. You know, it's those both of those movies are gonna be incredible money spinners. You got the Lion King remake, you got the Aladdin remake, Captain Marvel, Spider Man Two, Star Wars. Like, oh my God, it's a, it's a banner fucking year for Disney. I've never seen a, a year this jam-packed with so much potential and even outside the movies star wars land is opening both in disneyland and in disney world this year so you got a whole bunch of people going to the fucking parks holy crap it is a banner fucking year for disney if you want to see what it looks like when a company makes an absolute metric shit ton of money watch the fucking disney stock and just watch that ticker just calling it it's the easiest prediction in the world disney's going to do really well this year so anyway, that's enough of that. I am I'm, I'm actively I'm just like ranting, but I'm really excited for Frozen 2. And I think it's fine and finally time that we all just look at each other and admit in our heart of hearts in our frozen hearts that Frozen was awesome. And it's okay it's okay to say you like Frozen. It's okay. I'm letting you know it's alright. Say you like Frozen. I know I'm not alone. That movie was way too fucking popular for me to be the only person that enjoyed it. Alright, movie was awesome, the songs were great, just just let go of your hate, I couldn't stop myself. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Another week, another batch of Harry Potter chapters, chapter 16, In the Hogshead, chapter 17, Educational Decree, number 24, chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army. Now, I don't like to toot my own horn a lot, but that's basically what this entire podcast is about. So, I want to focus on Chapter 17, Educational Decree Number 24, where I do <sighs> some fine, fine acting. Let's take a listen. Professor, said Prefari Patillo in a hushed voice, chant louder, I'd always rather admire professional learning. Professor, is there anything up? Wrong, wrong, cried Professor Trelawney, the voice throbbing with emotion. Certainly not. I have been insulted, certainly. Insinuations have been made against me, unfounded accusations leveled. But no, there's nothing wrong, certainly not. She took a great shuddering breath and looked away from Pervardi, angry tears spilling from under her glasses. I say nothing, she joked, of sixteen years devoted service. It has passed, apparently unnoticed, but I shall not be insulted. No, I shall not. But professor who's insulting you asked provarty timidly the establishment said professor treline in a deep dramatic wavering voice yes those with eyes too clouded by the mundane to see as i see to know as i know of course we see as i've always been feared always persecuted it is alas a fate she gulped dabbed her wet cheeks with the end of her shawl and then pulled a small embroidered handkerchief from her sleeve in which she blew her nose very hard with a sound like peeves blowing raspberry ron sniggered lavender shot him a disgusting look I don't know what the awards are for a purely audio-based performance, but that deserves one for sure. 100% incredible acting that you can hear every Wednesday night. Three brand new chapters of Harry Potter arrive around 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, and you can listen to the entire back catalog of my incredible voice acting abilities for your pleasure, completely for free. If you wish to support the Going Upcast, though, check out the Patreon and the store. Thanks, everybody. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Let's keep it on rolling. Also, from last week, I say that like the previous bit leads naturally into this one, so hopefully in post-production I won't fuck that one up. Uh, We had the latest Nintendo Direct, and I thought to mix it up, I'd talk a little bit about it in case you missed it. Of course the news by the time this shut up it's not old it's fine I'm um, totally on top of things so i think i think some of the biggest things they announced for the nintendo direct was super mario maker 2 which of course got a switch port and that is fantastic i always thought that making super mario maker was one of the smartest things nintendo has done because it took all the creative tools from this iconic game put it in the hands of the players and basically created infinite content the number of custom built levels on the first mario maker across platforms is gotta be in the multi-millions of levels there's so many creative people out there everybody could upload them up to the thing there are youtube channels dedicated to fucking playing mario maker levels forever it's crazy so now that it's portable like jesus h christ this is just gonna blow people's free time clear out of the water now i never really played mario when i was a kid because i had a pc i wasn't a nintendo kid when i was growing up um i not on consoles i had the game boys and i played pokemon when i was a kid that was my jam but never really got the hang of platformer games and still to this day i'm pretty fucking shit at them so probably going to give it a pass but i'm very much looking forward to seeing some of my favorite youtubers and twitch streamers playing super mario maker 2 and checking out these new levels and just having fun because god when people get mad at mario levels ah, oh, it's like it's like drinking the nectar of the gods Love it. Tetris 99, you versus 98, other players playing Tetris at the same time in a kind of battle royale versus style so that one person remains the winner at the end of it. Kind of sounds like a lot of fun. Also, it's fucking free and it's available right now. So, gonna hop on that here pretty soon. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, Black Order. Super excited for that. My brother and I played the first two quite a bit when we were younger on the old X Bone. I think it was X Bone 360. Pretty sure, pretty sure. I think there was a dual pack that got them both. Um, but finally, after all this time, we're getting a fucking third Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. And I'm very excited for that. Holy crap. And it's on the Switch. And it's multiplayer. So we're going to be able to play that. Very excited. It'll be That'll be a lot of fun for the two of us. There was something called Disney zoom zoom Festival, which is based off of those little toys that Disney has. They're, they're like these little... They're like... I don't know how to describe them. They're like little pods, basically, of like Disney characters... But they're like little... They're like little beanie baby sack things. And they have a face and little feet. And you like put them on a shelf in a big mound. And you collect them all. And that's it. They just fucking sit there. Uh, But now there's a game about them. And it's got like four player uh, co-op versus mini game mode. Kind of like a Mario Party game. So that could be good. I don't know. uh, You know. (laughs) I don't know. Dead by Daylight is getting a Switch port. Which I think is weird. Because that's not a... It's kind of an older game. But whatever you know that's fine Deltarune the um I don't know if it's a direct sequel or a spiritual successor I haven't really paid much attention to it but the next game from Toby Fox who made Undertale which if you haven't played Undertale one of the best games in this century it like kind of came out of nowhere and surprised us all and I've got two mugs upstairs from Undertale and it was fucking awesome so first chapters for free it comes out February 28th of this month and or of this year, sorry and uh, the next couple of chapters will be paid which means there is more to the Deltarune story again, I haven't been paying too much attention to it but I might finally take a look at it now that it's on the Switch Um, I mean, it's also on PC and you can play it now but, you know it's kind of Switch time right now so I'm not talking about PC games Mortal Kombat 11 is getting a Switch port it comes out April 23rd when the game comes out very excited about that Assassin's Creed 3 Remaster on May 21st what the fuck? who was asking for that? You know, I really liked um, uh, the American Revolutionary War version of Assassin's Creed. I want more of that. Yeah, that's my, that's my style. I don't remember anyone clamoring for that one, but um, whatever. Final Fantasy VII, the original, not the remake, uh, is getting a port to the Switch. Comes out March 26th of this year. And then finally... Um, well, actually, there's a couple of more notes. Uh, Final Fantasy IX is available today. It's $21. Um, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon... The Mystery Dungeon games are really big in Japan, and for me, one of the greatest game series I ever played was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. I played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Blue Rescue Team, and then Super Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Those were the two I touched. Oh, no, sorry. And then Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Mysteries of Time, I think it was. All three of those games are fucking awesome. All right? Each one made me cry at the end. Each one had an awesome story. I loved the characters. I love the soundtrack. I love playing those games. They are superb. So if the Bow Mystery Dungeon is anything like the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, then holy crap. All over that. Also, I'm waiting for a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game for the Switch. I will play the ever-living shit out of that even if it's like a remake or a port or whatever, I don't care. But Pokemon Mystery Dungeons was my jam and I loved it. I also loved Pokemon Ranger games, but they were not as good as the Pokemon Mystery Dungeons games. Pokemon Mystery Dungeons was alright. Alright, anyway. Platinum Game has a new goddamn fucking game. It's called Astral Chain. Looked like a character action game with um, fucking open world elements. Uh, Really anime. There was like mech suits and big genetic monster things and guys with really sharp chins, you know what anime looks like but always down for a good platinum game, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, Bayonetta, Transformers Revolution, um oh god, uh Scalebound. <laughs> Sorry I laughed because Scalebound was canceled, but I'm always on board for a brand new plat game. Hopefully this one actually comes out unlike fucking Scalebound where I have two t-shirts for and a signed poster from like the developers and the voice actor and that game got canned. And I, I'm i still bitter about it, but that's fine because I thought that game looked rad as shit. And I was super excited for it, but it's never going to happen now. And I'm just going to have to learn to accept that and move on. But yeah, that's coming out on August 30th of this year. And then, of course, they're developing Bayonetta 3. They're going to tell us about it later. And then they are remastering Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which looked pretty... Um, I'd say stylized. I don't want to say childish or anything like that because I just spent ten minutes ranting about how great Frozen was. So what what leg do I have to stand on about childish? So stylized, stylized. Um, I don't recall Link's Awakening in the slightest. Um, I don't remember what system they came on. I didn't play Link when I was a kid. Like I wasn't, I wasn't me. I didn't, I wasn't a Nintendo kid. I already said, but. They're remaking it. So for those big Link's Awakening fans out there, I bet they're thrilled. Um, It comes out sometime this year. They didn't give us a hard and fast date, but honestly, we got more out of this than I was expecting. Um, And there's a whole fucking list of games I didn't even talk about. Box Boy and Box Girl comes out April 26th. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night comes out in the summer. Dragon Quest Builders 2 comes out July 12th like Starlink Battle for Atlas I don't know if, uh, Star Fox team update I don't you know there's a bunch of things on here Yoshi's Crafted World comes out March 29th there's a demo you know there's a whole bunch of shit there's a new Fire Emblem game delayed to July 26th of this year Uh, yeah there's a whole there's a whole laundry list of shit naturally you can find the Nintendo Direct on YouTube if you just type in Nintendo Direct and then it was on the 13th of February so just you know just earlier this this month just last week you can go check it out uh, but that's it for the nintendo stuff i thought there was some pretty cool things announced i wanted to talk about it anyway let's move on to the next thing podcast. i know i've spoken about them a lot lately and i'm going to talk about them more in the future but i took the time out of my busy busy days to listen to every single studio release the Beatles ever came out with. And I'm here to tell you that the Beatles' success rate when it comes to music, you know, good songs versus bad songs, is about 20%. rest of it's pretty average. A lot of bands could have written a lot of those songs. First four albums, I think there's about maybe six songs that are worth listening to off of there. And it's shit like Twist and Shout, um, Hold Me Tight, uh, I Saw Her Standing There, um, it won't be long. Can't uh, buy me love. There's you know there's some there's some pretty good hits right in there, and I wanted to talk about one thing I discovered uh, when I was listening to this. Things like Hey Jude, Paperback Writer, Day Tripper, Revolution, Don't Let Me Down. Those are some iconic Beatles songs. Indeed, Hey Jude is probably one of their most popular. Not one of those songs got a studio album release, not one of those songs I just named. They were all released on compilation albums, which is really interesting to me because almost all of those songs I just listed were number one hits at one time or another. Indeed the Beatles had 27 number one hits over the course of their lifetime, which is unbelievable. That's crazy. Beatles were popular for a reason, but about 20% of their songs were any good. And in case you're wondering, yeah, it's the 20% of Beatles songs that you've heard on the radio. If you if you recognize the title of any of the Beatles songs that I'm about to list, then you've heard every Beatles song that there is worth to hear. Have you listened to Sgt. Pepper in its entirety? Then you've heard it. Yellow Submarine, She Said, She Said, Eleanor Rigby, Taxman, In My Life, Michelle, Nowhere Man. I fucking love Nowhere Man. That's a great song. Yesterday, I've Just Seen a Face. I saw her standing there. Carry that weight because I want you, She's So Heavy. All My Love, Hey Jude, Come Together. Here Comes the Sun. You've heard the Beatles. And so I can finally answer a question I've wondered for a long time, which was, I wonder if there are any Beatles songs I've never heard that are worth listening to. And the answer is no. Every song that I thought was a good Beatles song is a song I've heard before. And that was just kind of, that was just something I wanted to share because it had bothered me for a really long time and no one had really ever told me, you know, people have said, oh, the band, the Beatles are the best. I fucking love the Beatles. They're perfect. They're awesome. Everything they made was awesome. And that is so not the case. That is so not the case. Um, and I was also correct with another suspicion I had, that while the Beatles were incredible, and some songs like Because, um, just the harmonies that they nail in that, you can't really cover that. But a lot of fans do cover Beatles songs, and some of those songs, in my opinion, are better than the originals. So I just wanted to talk about those real quick too. I Want You, She So Heavy is best performed by Hailstorm, because they... Really crank that one up to like 11, and it's fucking awesome. Any song that was done in Across the Universe, except for a couple, um, I believe are made better by their covers. I love their version of Revolution. Hey Jude is really solid. Um, Strawberry Fields Forever is kind of, it's, it's all right. Um, Elvis did a cover of Hey Jude, which is pretty good. So you should go check that one out. Soundgarden did a cover of Come Together, and so did Aerosmith and Michael Jackson. Both good shit. Got To Get You Into My Life was definitely made most popular by Earth, Wind & Fire. There are dozens of different covers of Blackbird. They're all excellent. Just check those out. The best version of With A Little Help From My Friends was performed by Joe Cocker at Woodstock in 1969. It's about seven and a half minutes long and it's incredible. I love that version of the song. There's so much heart and soul in that performance. It's it's great. A Day In A Life is best performed by Jeff Beck. Helter Skelter has been covered by Motley Crue, Marilyn Manson & Rob Zombie. Uh, Roger Daltrey. So many different bands have covered that song. Let It Be was covered by John Denver. Oh my god. The list the list goes on and on and on. So if you want to listen to the Beatles and you're too lazy to like assemble the playlist of best Beatles songs, just listen to Sergeant Pepper and then the compilation album One. It is every number one hit the Beatles ever came out with, including shit that never came off of studio albums. And then you're set. You've heard it all. You've heard it all. And I'm sure if you search Beatles covers, you'll hear some pretty incredible versions of these iconic songs. And I can finally put this curiosity of mine to rest. And my goal is to do this sort of um, dissection of iconic bands uh, for for segments on the podcast every now and then. It's going to take me a while to listen to um, full catalogs. Beatles, it took about eight and a half to nine hours. Um, it probably could have been done in a short amount of time um, if I skipped the songs I already knew were awesome. Um, but I wanted to listen to them because they're fucking awesome. So there you go. I've got an idea for who I want to tackle next. But I know that they have more studio albums than the Beatles, so I'm not sure how long it'll take me. So I'm going to keep it a little close to the chest for right now. But uh, if you have a band that you want to have be the subject matter for one of my going up cast listening parties and dissections hit me up at goingcast at gmail.com or using contact page at goingcast.com and I'll all dive right into it and I'll listen to it all and I'll determine if it's if what the percentile is remember the Beatles one of the best bands ever 20 percent I don't know if that's high or not we'll find out also keep in mind this is all super personal bias, a hundred percent. I could have listed some Beatles songs that you hate with a passion, and that's totally fine. Just remember that, you know, I'm just, I'm just me, just sharing my opinions here on the internet. But the Beatles wrote some really good songs, and goddamn, they're pretty good. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Recently brought to the wonderful streaming service of Netflix. There's a lot of James Bond movies on there. Indeed, there's about... I think there's like 10 James Bond movies on there. And I have seen the most recent James Bond movies. Uh, I saw Casino Royale in theaters back in 2006. And I've seen, like, Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan, which came out in, like, 2002. And then, of course, I saw Quan Vassal in Skyfall. I didn't see Spectre. Um, and, Bond, and the 25th Bond movie comes out uh, eventually. But with the stuff on Netflix now, I finally got the opportunity to go back and check out some of those original Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, Roger Moore, James Bond movies. And so I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Uh, For the sake of this little segment, I'm going to compare Casino Royale 2006 Daniel Craig Evergreen with Goldfinger 1964 Sean Connery. Pussy Galore. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but Pussy Galore. So, I'm going to talk about these two movies in comparison to each other. And then I'm going to talk about those two movies as separate entities in the context of the time period in which they were made. We're going to talk about Casino Royale first, because that is the better of the two films for sure. So, Casino Royale is based off of the first Dean Fleming book about James Bond. Indeed, uh, Casino Royale is actually a remake of one of the earliest bond films uh to ever ever be made and the actor that played james bond in that movie was actually who ian fleming wanted to play james bond in the bond films i can't remember his name but i digress i'm talking about the remake not the original because i haven't seen the original so we got the first showing of daniel craig in this film and the first 40 to 40 minutes to an hour of this film have very little dialogue. It's a lot of very long action sequences. And what happens throughout the course of the first hour of this film is an expert demonstration of showing and not telling in a film. A lot of what the movie is telling you is told through actions and shit on screen that you the viewer see um, but it's Bond like silently working and figuring shit out. And it's kind of nice that that's the treatment. You don't hear James Bond going, "Ah, oh, yes, this phone that the bomb maker was carrying. It's, uh, it's got a thing or Lipschitz. It's got that right there on the phone. I wonder what that means. It's probably some kind of spy shit. Figure that out later. Put this in my pocket. Let's go fuck a random person on the street. That's not... That doesn't happen and, in Casino It's He looks at the phone, gets a little confused, and then you as the audience member go, Huh. I wonder what this means. And the movie doesn't fucking treat you like a child and have to explain things to you. It just shows you what's up. And then you can start making guesses on your own. And then it just keeps going. It doesn't wait for you. It's like, alright, you saw the phone? Cool, let's keep going. Blow up an embassy. Just pff, just power through that shit. Um, as far as villainy is concerned, it's, it's kind of pretty fun in Casino Royale. You got the air quotes, bad guy, right? But then it turns out that dude, nah, man, he ain't the real bad guy. that turns out it was this other person. And you're like, oh, oh, no, they took care of that problem. And then it turned out it was this other thing. And you're like, whoa. And then that thing dies and it's really sad. But then it turned out it was this actual, like, fourth dude. And he gets his in the end. So it's just kind of like, is this person? No. Is this person? No. Is this person? No. And it kind of keeps you on your toes and it keeps you guessing. And the high stakes, the true high stakes of the whole movie in Casino Royale doesn't come from these huge action pieces, even though there are quite a few of those. Especially in the beginning of the film. There's a lot of big action set pieces. Huge, parkour running. Shit's rad. I loved it. It was awesome. But most of the stress of this movie comes from playing poker. Which seems relatively low stakes until you realize they're actually gambling with like $100 million or something like that. So, definitely high stakes. Pretty entertaining to watch. Um, and then there's just a lot of elements of like, oh, we got poisoned. No, it's fine. Oh, shit, he's gonna... Oh, no, he's good. Oh, oh, no, he's fine. So, Casino Royale is a pretty goddamn dang good movie. It is not the best of the recent Bond films. I think that one goes to Skyfall almost unequivocally because that one is just fucking amazing. But if you've never seen Casino Royale from now 13 years ago, it's a pretty good movie. But is it a good James Bond movie? And In order to really appreciate what a James Bond movie is, Let's talk about Goldfinger. You got Sean Connery, the quintessential James Bond for a lot of people. Even though Roger Moore was in more movies, we're just going to blow right past that. This movie, it's most exciting part is the first five minutes of the film, which has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the film. So right away, we're off on shaky ground. The movie is, again, I'm going to talk about it in the context of the time. And this is, I'm not telling you anything new. It's pretty misogynistic. It's pretty sexist. There's this one moment where uh, James is getting a massage. And uh, what the fuck was her name? I think her name was Dink. Straight up. Her name was Dink. And he goes, you know, "Uh, uh, John, say hello to Dink. Hi. Dink, say goodbye to John. What? And he turns her around by the shoulder and he goes, Man talk. And slaps her on the ass and then she leaves. And I'm just like, wow, that would not fly today. And admittedly, there are a lot of bits in that film that straight up would not fly today. It's you know, it was it was a different time. Doesn't make it right by any means, but it was a different time. That's just the way shit was back then. The general plot of Goldfinger is stupid on paper. Let me take let me just boil down Casino Royale's plot for you real quick. Evil terrorist banker. Loses money on a stock gamble. Went bad. Puts together a casino game to attempt to win back his money. Fails to do so. Dies. Money gets stolen from the hero to be given to this other person. Bunch more people die. Hero gets the money back. That's Casino Royale. Goldfinger. Fat dude wants to put a nuclear bomb in Fort Knox. To irradiate all of the gold, thereby making his gold supply more valuable, and then becoming rich. Oh, and in the process of his original plan, he actually would have caused the death of about 41,000 American soldier lives, gassing Fort Knox and the entire compound that surrounds it. It was eventually defeated by... Not... Kind of, sort of, by James Bond... But in reality, it's like, it's the CIA that really kind of, and the the fact that they switched out the gas and none of the military people actually died. So it's really the U.S. military that saved the day on that one. Like, even in the end of the film, James Bond isn't the one that deactivates the fucking bomb. It's this other dude that just flips a fucking switch, like, right at the end. He's like, no, 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 James, you're going to fuck it up. Let me just click there. The bomb's off. And James is like, what took you so long? I'm like, fucking, really? You're going to say that? All right, whatever so yeah on paper Goldfinger has a pretty stupid plot although I will say as I was saying the boiled down sentence of the plot of Goldfinger it sounded like a way more exciting movie and it is super campy there's gadgets and shit there's the bond cars there's the bond chicks there's pussy fucking galore that was her name that was a name they wrote down for a character and went yep nailed it not you know Ashley Stevens or Rebecca Romaine. I don't, you know, just fucking, nope, pussy galore. So, you know, that just kind of really puts the nail on the head on that one, doesn't it? The green screen usage in that film is adorable. It is is such a, a product of the time. The shaky helicopter camera in the beginning of the film setting up the establishing shots. Every time they're behind the wheel of the car and you see the actor's face, it's in a green screen studio. It's It's very funny. The sound is not mixed very well. I had to constantly turn it up and turn it down. Like, whenever they're talking, it's just kind of like... But then there's, like, tire squealing and gunshots, like, right in your fucking ear. So, it's not balanced very well. But, you know, you got that classic um, James Bond theme and music throughout the whole thing. And Goldfinger has some iconic shots. It's got the woman painted in gold dead on the bed it's got do you expect me to talk no mr bond i expect you to die it's got that um, it's got a fucking odd job the the uh, the korean henchman who throws his hat and decapitates the statue it's got all that shit in there so it is it's iconic to james bond but it's not a very good film the the like whenever you watch a movie i always like to think about what did i gain from that film did I, was there an emotional response? If so, what was it? Am I going to remember this film tomorrow? Am I going to take away and have like a lesson learned? Not every movie needs to teach you a lesson, but usually you like to leave the movie with something. Even if that something is you just had a good time. And Goldfinger gives you nothing. There is really nothing to be gained from watching that film. Indeed, the only reason I can think of you would wanted to watch that film is for the going, going into it wanting to see a classic James Bond movie that's the only thing you can really gain from it Casino Royale on the other hand is a good movie outside the realm of just being a Bond film I think there is something to be gained from watching Casino Royale because it is a very good example of showing and not telling it is a wonderful suspense film and at the heart of it it's also a pretty convincing love story so I think there is something to be gained there and it's a tragic love story for sure It also kind of sets up the James Bond character because that is his, air quotes, first assignment. That's what Casino Royale always was about. And Goldfinger was technically the third film. So you could think of that as his third assignment, even though that's not really how that works. So there you go. I'm currently in the process of watching a third James Bond movie called You Only Live Twice. And it seems to be in the same vein as Goldfinger. Kind of entertaining, but there's really not a lot to be gained from watching this movie. And it is also, s- uh, on top of being misogynistic and sexist, this one is also super racist. Because it's in Japan for most of it. And one of the fucking lines in this movie is, she's very sexy for oh And I'm just like, really? That, wow. Seriously? Fuck. Christ. It was, it's bad. It's bad. But now I know where that line comes from. Because I used to watch a YouTuber that said that all the time. Um, and I, and I just thought he was being a racist asshole, but no, he was quoting a racist asshole. So there you go. So James Bond, it's super campy and I was about to say it's super fun to watch, but it's not really, um, it's all right. You know, it's iconic. It's James fucking Bond. Um, but if you want to see a good James Bond movie, just watch Skyfall. Um, which does have quite a bit of uh, fan service for those people who watch the original stuff because that one has the song and it has the car and I think it has a Bond Girl in it? Pretty sure? Can't remember, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember it being really good when I did see it. So there you go. You can watch all these movies I just talked about except for Skyfall on Netflix right now for your perusal. Uh, do you have a favorite James Bond movie? I mean awesome. Which one is it? Is it on Netflix? Can I watch it? I would love to talk about it. Hit me up at goingcast.com or goingoncast at gmail.com. And perhaps I'll talk about more movies later. I do like talking about my movies, but let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. This week for song of the week, I have got a classic, absolute classic song released, and I'm just going to launch right into it, and I'll talk about the other one. 1970 on the final album to be released by the iconic Beatles. The title of that album is the focus of this song. That's right. Let It Be off of Let It Be. I don't need to talk about this song very much. It is a beautiful song. Helen by McCartney. It was the final single before McCartney announced his departure from the band in 1970. And it is my cover for this week. We all know it. We all love it. Let's listen to Let It Be by the Beatles covered by me. And when the broken-hearted people living in this world agree there will be an answer let it be For though they may be parted there is still a chance they will see there will be an answer let it be let it be The next song I want to talk about is off of a brand spanking new album. Indeed, at the time of recording this, this album came out two days ago. February 15th, 2019. I've been waiting for this album for quite some time. I bought tickets to see this album performed live before the album had even been released. That's so how much I believed in this product. And that is Moonglow by Aventazia. It is an awesome fucking album. Listen to the whole thing on Spotify. I highly recommend it. It is, the best term I've been able to come up with for this album is luxurious. This album was produced to start to finish in less than a year. That is unbelievable. The dude behind this, Tobias Samet, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Samet, announced this album was being made back in March of 2018. And here we are in February of 2019. The album's out. That's incredible. What a turnaround. And it does not suffer for speed in terms of its creation. The lyrics are complex and multi layered. The vocal performances are out of this world. The instrumentals are top tier and super uplifting. The whole album is just like this beautiful, like, burst of glorious energy just right up your fucking anus. It's right in there. This whole album is just this burst of beautiful energy shoved right in your ear holes. It is gorgeous couple a couple songs on this album are wonderful but I want to focus on ironically uh, ghost in the moon it's the first track on the album it doesn't have any guest vocalists but it it evokes this meatloaf theatricality to it that is wonderful and I love that whole song um like oh god So for song of the week, it's Ghost in the Moon. I've already talked about The Raven Child. That's a wonderful song. Moonglow is also fantastic with the wonderful Candace Knight. Um, The other song that's really, really, really good on this album is The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Everything else on this album is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But Ghost in the Moon, Piper at the Gates of Dawn are are the just incredible pieces of music. I am so excited to see this album performed live in San Jose in May. I'm very much looking forward to that. Going to fly down. Going to have a couple of days down there in the area in the Bay Area where I'm going to go see the show. and Just have a blast. It's going to be freaking insane. So check out Moonglow by Avatasia, Check out Let It Be by The Beatles. I hope you enjoyed this week's cover. And if you have a song that you want to suggest for Song of the Week, hit me up at goupcast at gmail.com or using the contact page at goingcast.com. Send in your covers. I'll blast them forever on the podcast. You have my word. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Growing Upcast. I don't have any closing stories or fun, grandiose statements. I just wanted to thank you all for listening. Uh, check out tomorrow night's episodes of Harry Potter Book 5. If you enjoy the Going Upcast, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 10 a.m. And if you want to support the Going Upcast, you can check out patreon.com forward slash Upcast or the Going Upcast store. Both are excellent ways to support me and what I do. Next week, we will have a wonderful guest on, so I'm very excited about that. And thank you all very much for listening, and I'll talk to you all later. See you later! I don't know. I'll work out at a, a fucking farewell one of these days, but thanks for listening. Talk to you later.